Have you ever had that feeling when you leave the doctor's office and think, what did they just say? Or have any burning questions you didn't have time to ask? Or, I don't remember anything that just happened in that appointment. Or even, were they speaking my language? Yeah, us too. That's where we come in. We're the podcast dedicated to helping you understand what your doctor said about that thing you saw your doctor for in the first place. We understand it can be an information overload. We're here to help. I'm Dr. Josh Fletcher, a family medicine resident at Northrop General Hospital in Toronto. And I'm Jake Bloom, the person who doesn't know what's happening at the doctor's office. Welcome to Dr. Dictionary. I just want to make a quick disclaimer that this podcast isn't meant to be a replacement for a traditional doctor's appointment, nor is it meant to be providing medical advice. Rather, it's meant to be a supplement to your doctor's visit and explain why your doctor asked what they ask and help you explain the diagnosis and common treatment plans. Lastly, doctors often have very different styles and approaches to a patient and their diagnosis. If we discuss a question or treatment plan that your doctor didn't mention, that doesn't mean that they were wrong. This could represent a different in practice style or simply the fact that your doctor knows you better than we do and has created a treatment plan that better fits your lifestyle. So welcome back to another episode of Dr. Dictionary. Today's episode will be a little different than usual. I'm joined today by Faith Balshin, who's a registered psychotherapist in her qualifying category and a Master's of Science candidate. She's going to tell us about her role and experiences as a psychotherapist and talk more in detail about common presentations she encounters on a daily basis. Before we get into that, Faith, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself. So just a little bit about me. I've had a passion for healthcare throughout my undergraduate career. And for the past five years, I've worked and volunteered in Toronto-based clinics and hospitals. And that's where I feel I've really crafted my passion for helping people and my desire to be a healthcare practitioner and work Um, in mental health. I also recently completed all the courses within my Master of Science degree, so I'm not officially graduated yet, but I just need to wait for convocation. And I think it was really helpful for me to complete both the Master's of Arts in Counseling Psychology and this Master's in Science and Rehabilitation in order to combine evidence-based research and technique into my psychotherapeutic practice. So I want to provide my patients with an integrative approach and incorporate cultural elements, rehabilitative elements, and obviously personalized stories and experiences from the patients in order to provide therapy that best suits my patients' needs. And when I work with patients who are in a rehabilitation setting, so they've, for example, been through a physical injury, I like to incorporate current research into practice and look at how their mental health affects their recovery. It's been a very interesting road for me as a beginner practitioner because of COVID-19, which I will definitely get into a little bit more. Yeah, it's it's a good segue. Um, we had an episode previously on psychotherapy and dove into you know what psychotherapy is and specifically about cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. I was wondering if, again, you could define exactly what is psychotherapy. So the College of Registered Psychotherapists of Ontario, or the CRPO for short, defines psychotherapy as a primarily talk-based therapy that's intended to help people improve and maintain their mental health and well-being. 
Psychotherapy and the psychotherapeutic relationship is a collaborative process. So the practitioner and the patient or client work together to bring out positive changes in the client's thinking, feeling, behavior, and or social functioning. Registered psychotherapists work with individuals, couples, families, and they could also work in individual and group settings. So individuals usually seek psychotherapy when they have thoughts, feelings, moods, and behaviors that are adversely affecting their day-to-day lives, relationships, and the ability to enjoy life. So you are a registered psychotherapist in the qualifying category. What does that actually mean? So I went through an accredited master's program to receive my master's of arts in counseling psychology. And within this program, I achieved a certain amount of hours. Because I went through the program and I achieved these hours, I was able to register as a registered psychotherapist in the qualifying category, meaning I'm in the first stage and I'm able to practice and see patients. However, I also need to be in supervised practice with a clinical supervisor. I actually have an amazing clinical supervisor. Her name is Deborah Alton at the Reflection Center, and I did my placement with her as I was completing school. So after I acquire and accumulate a certain number of hours as I continue to practice, I will then be admitted to the, well, hopefully, registered psychotherapist not qualifying anymore. And I also have to take a licensing exam as a registrant. And then uh, I also need to be in supervised clinical practice. And then as I accumulate even more hours, I can become a registered psychotherapist in independent practice, meaning I don't need to have supervision. And all registered psychotherapists in all categories are required to complete some hours allocated to continuing education and developmental courses throughout their professional careers, which I personally think is really wonderful. I see. Can you tell me a little bit more about your experiences that you've been having with the profession? So as a clinician, I work collaboratively with my patients and clients to address their individualized concerns and needs, and I use an integrative and evidence-based approach, meaning I incorporate various therapeutic modalities into my treatment plan and case conceptualization, and I like to refer to the literature to ensure that I provide my clients with treatment and care that best suits their needs. So that would include hearing their goals and determining what they want out of the therapeutic experience while fostering and facilitating a supportive and secure environment to help them adapt to therapy, adjust, and develop rapport with them so they feel comfortable disclosing any type of information that they want within therapy. And on the clinical side of things, I conduct assessments, I screen patients, and I develop comprehensive case conceptualizations to determine their, as I said before, individualized treatment plan as my goal is to provide effective and individualized treatment for my patients. Is it normal for people to try out or have multiple therapists throughout their lifetime? Josh, Absolutely. It is very common for people to try out different therapists. And let me tell you, as a clinician and even some experienced clinicians that I have sought supervision with, we want clients to find the right fit. And I encourage my patients or any person that I screen to try out as many therapists as they see fit because it's important to get the right fit and have the client feel comfortable. 
So I was wondering if you could talk about kind of some common concerns and issues that you've been seeing in your patients recently. Josh, COVID-19 has impacted people in so many different ways, and it's really been a huge barrier to a lot of people's mental health and well-being. For example, I have quite a few adolescent patients that I see, and they express a lot of concerns about their future and how COVID-19 is going to impact their life and their college experience. You know, I have patients asking me, will I have the most ideal college experience? What's going to happen to my future? What if COVID-19 messes everything up? And then, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, I have my older adult patients who express a lot of concern about their future, but in a different way. You know, I'm aging and COVID-19 has not let me live my life. Will I have a fulfilled rest of my life because I'm an older adult and I don't know how much time I have. So a lot of individuals are having difficulties managing their emotional responses, their depressive symptoms, their anxiety, and there's just a lot of stressors and maladaptive symptoms related to COVID-19. And it sounds like it's really affecting people, like you said, in very different ways, depending on where they are in their life, what their previous experiences are, their values, et cetera. Exactly. Now, in terms of this anxiety that you were talking about that some of your patients are experiencing, are there any distinctive symptoms that they're having that are related to this? Absolutely. So although this is COVID-19 related anxiety, this is still a subset of anxiety. And there are a lot of patient populations who are in varying circumstances, come from differing cultural backgrounds and histories who have anxious symptoms and anxiety. So I'm going to outline some common symptoms of anxiety, which includes the COVID-19 related anxiety. So experiencing low moods, having excessive worrying, agitation and or frustration with current circumstances, difficulties concentrating, rumination of maladaptive and negative thoughts, sleep disturbances, and on the other end, restlessness, social anxiety-related concerns, irrational fears and thoughts, and, of course, the physical component of having irregular stomach pains, a pit in the stomach, a headache. And if you just notice something that's essentially off in a negative way from your current functioning, and if that's impeding you from participating in your daily functioning and what you do on a daily basis. And if you haven't already, I encourage you to go back and listen to our episode on anxiety for more information on the condition, different types of anxiety, and the treatment. So I was wondering if we could focus more on the kind of the emotional component and if you could talk about the common symptoms that you've been seeing in your practice as well. Emotional regulation has definitely been a common and prevalent concern within my clinical practice, especially related to COVID-19. So a lot of my patients are having trouble regulating their responses to the emotional experiences they have, and they have difficulty managing their emotional reactions and responses to any type of stimuli, whether it be a conversation or situation that they've encountered. So I like to work with my patients and help them modulate their responses because of their emotional reactions actions to others and help them sort of regulate how they respond. 
a lot of individuals are also performing actions or behaviors that are triggered by their emotions or by trigger or triggered by another person's actions. And they could also refrain from performing actions or behaviors based on their emotional response. So I like to work with my patients on this component to help them modulate their responses and reduce their high intense emotional reactions that just cause them extra stress. And it sounds like a lot of these issues can be quite challenging for people. I, I can imagine just speaking for myself as well that I, it's so normal to have some of these symptoms that you're talking about and it can really take over your life and, and have such a detrimental impact on you. What are some ways that you've seen or that you counsel your patients on that can help you combat and resolve these these issues? Josh, I think it's honestly great that you're able to vocalize and express yourself and express your concerns related to the COVID-19 pandemic and how you're feeling towards it because it's totally normal and it's completely valid to have any type of difficult or distressful feelings during this time. So in terms of how can some of these issues be combated and resolved, in my position, every case is different and unique. And for example, a lot of my younger patients, they seem to have a narrowed view of the COVID-19 pandemic. So with them, I like to provide some psychoeducation and discuss their personalized understanding of the situation, which then which can help them achieve clarity in conjunction with the talk therapy and other therapeutic modalities and elements. I also like to incorporate perspective shifting, addressing limiting beliefs, recreating that self-narrative and understanding, and of course, using guided discovery and cognitive behavioral elements along with other therapeutic tools and techniques to distinctly address their attitudes and beliefs about COVID-19. It's difficult, but as I say to my patients, I wish I could give you a crystal ball to show you your future, and I wish I could snap my fingers and make everything okay, but that's not the case, and I tell my patients that it takes so much strength that they have and self-awareness within them to work on themselves, and I applaud anyone and everyone to who seeks to address any issues they have during this unprecedented time. And working on adaptability, cognitive reappraisal, self-awareness, and self-compassion. And you spoke about cognitive distortions, which we talk more about in our psychotherapy episode, if you haven't listened to that already. And I also want to kind of harp on the point that psychotherapy isn't easy. And it really involves you buying in and and striving to make yourself better and and engaging with psychotherapists like you, Faith. You really have to applaud anyone that takes that step and seeks out help in the first place because it's really challenging to do. Now, I just want to move on a little bit and ask, because you're talking about these great strategies, but what happens if I continue to feel those symptoms of anxiety, if I have that persisting anxiety? What should I do then? So this can definitely happen and it's extremely common, which is why treatment planning and execution is an ongoing process. The psychotherapist must must ensure that the client's needs are being consistently met throughout treatment and these needs can change throughout therapy. Symptoms can worsen, they can shift and alter, they can even get better, new issues can arise. So with that said, individuals can seek both psychotherapeutic and pharmacological interventions with the clinician, the psychotherapist, working in conjunction with the patient's physician. 
And if the patient's mood levels, maladaptive symptoms, and or anxious symptoms persist, they could have the intervent the pharmacological intervention to help them alongside of therapy. So what would you say is kind of like the bottom line take-home message from everything we've been talking about today? I would say that if you, you as in the listeners, Josh, even myself, if anyone notices that something is off about themselves and they're noticing subtle signs that their mental health is not where they want it to be, reach out and receive help. There are so many resources and professionally trained psychotherapists and individuals to help you get to where you want to be. And ultimately, my hope is that the stigma surrounding mental health will be slowly removed as society progresses. I also want to point out that if you seek help with a psychotherapist and or a mental health professional and you do not think it's the right fit for you, that is completely normal and it definitely happens. It's valid and I hope that that won't derail you from seeking help with other professionals. And any type of negative mood shifts or maladaptive concerns or anxious symptoms, totally valid and completely normal. So one thing we always do to end off the episode is talk about what other resources are available and what else we could look up. I was wondering if you had anything specific that you'd like to mention in terms of extra resources that you tell your patients or clients. So there are various organizations in Toronto to help people in times of crises. Kids Help Phone is a big one. A lot of my clients in clinical settings have expressed how helpful Kids Help Phone was for them. So if you just enter that in on Google, you can find out all their information. Toronto Distress Centers is a good one to Google as well. And even CAMH has some great resources, Center for Addiction and Mental Health. If someone wants more consistent therapy, they can refer to Psychology Today to find mental health practitioners in their area. And on that website, they have a blurb and each practitioner writes a little bit about themselves and their distinctive style, approach, and modality. Asking a friend can be really useful. So a friend can refer you to someone, which could be helpful. Or even typing in psychotherapy service or psychotherapist, psychologist, social worker near me on Google finding someone who may be a good fit and giving them a call. I personally offer free phone consultations for people to get a sense of who I am. And even after the initial session, I try to leave it up to the client to decide if they think it's a good fit. And of course, if anyone has any inquiries, questions, or they want some more information on resources, you can definitely contact me. My name is Faith Balshin. And as I said before, I offer free phone consultations and I can connect you with different resources or whatever you need. If you have any questions, my website is www.ontariotherapycenter.ca. So On that website, you can find out a little bit more about me, my contact information, my email, my phone number. And if you need anything at all, I am here for you. These are trying times and I'm really hoping that we can just all get through this and see the next year with a COVID-free year and no masks, but we'll see. (laughs) And thank you so much, Josh, for this opportunity again. Thanks, Faith. Well, as always, if anyone has any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at thedoctordictionary at gmail.com or tweet us at the Doctor Dictionary. I'd like to thank Faith for joining me today and talking all things psychotherapy and really talking about her experiences that she's had as a registered psychotherapist in the qualifying stage. And again, if anyone has any questions for Faith or wants to book an appointment, the website is ontariotherapycenter.org. 
and I'll link the website in the description below. As always, I'd like to thank Nick and John Braganiello for recording original music. Thanks for listening.